this month on the Cartridge Club. To all the listeners, go listen to even the first 40 seconds of Beyond Oasis Water Cave. I was just going to say, I have a, a not okay puzzle moment. It was the uh, on top of the wall with the wind. I wasn't well aware of this until the very end of the game, and I was at the last point where I said, no, I'm not going to do this. You know, it's kind of like seeing a three do- three-legged dog get around. You're like, hey, he's not, he's not, he's not doing bad. He's missing a leg, but he's getting around. Hello, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of The Cartridge Club. If you are new to the club, I'll quickly explain what we are. The Cartridge Club is a community of content creators and gamers of all generations. I'm Player One, and along with my brother, Player Two, we host a monthly book club for gamers. We pick a game and invite everyone in the club to play along, and then select three people to come on this show and discuss the game we everyone played. Without further ado, let's meet our panel this month. First up, from the Round 2 Gaming YouTube channel, and also for the website and form administrator for the Cartridge Club, we have Dean Lasagna. Thanks for being here, Dean. No, thanks for having me. It's uh, it's great to be back. Why don't you let everybody know who may or may not be familiar, where they can find you, and what it is that you do. Yeah, you can find me on, on YouTube at Round2Gaming, or on really any social media site, Twitter, Instagram, all at Round2Gaming. But I think most notably, you'll find me on the Cartridge Club website, doing some administrative work there. Or on the Cartridge Club forums, doing the moderating. I like how you said some administrating work, like you didn't build the site from the ground up (laughs) (laughs) single-handedly. Excellent. So yeah, definitely check uh, check out Dean's work at www.cartridgeclub.org as well. Let him know uh, how fantastic he did. Thank you. Next up, joining us from the Polykill podcast and YouTube channel, we are thrilled to welcome Travis. Thanks for coming. Yeah, thanks for having me on. So, you can find me at Trav Plays Games. I'm also a part of the Polykill podcast with my cohort, Jake. We are at Polykill. And Dean, is your last name really lasagna? That's awesome. It is. Yeah. It is both awesome and delicious. <laughs> yeah, Dean's our tastiest guest. That is awesome. <laughs> uh, Travis, just in case anybody listening to this show hasn't already heard the phenomenon that is Polykill, why don't you give a quick breakdown of what you and Jake do over there? Well, we we struggle like everyone else with adult life and responsibilities and relationships and earning money, and we'd like to rather just play video games all day. So the podcast is pretty much to break down what we're tackling, you know, gaming-wise and how we're beating them, knocking them off the backlog. And we usually throw a little discussion there at the end to keep things um, somewhat off of us and a little more open to the general public. Polykill is easily one of my favorite new podcasts, and if you are not currently a subscriber, you need to rectify that immediately. So much so that you should pause this, go subscribe to Polykill, listen to a couple of episodes, and then if you're bored and have absolutely nothing to do, come back and listen to this. That's high praise. Thank you. <laughs> you're, you're welcome. I know the quality of the show I, that we normally put out. They're definitely going to be happier if they follow those those instructions. <laughs> oh, shucks now. <laughs> Now, that's two of our three guests. So lastly, we managed to steal some time from a founding member of the Gaming Outsider Facebook community and podcast. Thank you for joining us, Mr. Josh Faulkner. Hey, what's up, guys? So speaking of fantastic podcasts, uh, I really feel like I'm standing on the shoulders of giants for this episode. Why don't you let everybody know what the Gaming Outsider is and where they can find you? 
well, I don't mean to toot my own horn here, you know, guys, but uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, we are a, a very community-driven podcast. We started about uh, almost two years ago. Um, there's four of us, and pretty much what we did is we built a community uh, just out of a simple principle that we want to make gaming not as a hostile environment. And we just want to take the negativity and the politics out of gaming and just be a, a very welcoming place for everyone. And uh, sort of our shtick was we built this podcast around that community. And what we do is we actually welcome the community onto the podcast with us. So if you ever sit and listen to a podcast and you're like, you know, these guys would be awesome to sit and talk to. I wish I could be on a podcast like that. Well, shoot us an email. We'll let you on and you can talk with us and be on an episode with us. And that seems to have been... Uh, something that really worked out for us, and it was something that I was personally scared of because I was afraid I'd get that one weirdo on there, you know, that was just terrible, and you know, and we didn't have some kind of filtered for those people. But everyone's been extremely cool so far, and uh, it's been very successful for us. And uh, yeah, I've gone on two years now, and it's a lot of fun. I think the uh, the sort of overall sense of community that you guys build right from the ground up is most likely the reason you haven't had one of those, you know. The podcast that you have to throw in the can, like, okay, we can't use that. That guy was a psycho. He definitely has yeah. heads in his freezer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a couple people in the community we've had to boot. Uh, one of them was a guy who uh, who was very sexist, and he was kind of picking on some of the female members that we had, and that's not cool. Like, we don't deal with that at all. So we had to kick a, a guy or two for something like that. But otherwise, everyone's been extremely pleasant, and uh, we get a lot of – emails is people thanking us for being such a welcoming place for them to talk about games and you know we, we don't have opinions to try to scare them away or anything so it's we've been very uh blessed with that i guess you could say it's uh i know i really enjoy the show and the community as well so if you have facebook and you're listening to this you probably do it I, I know like two people that don't have facebook um go over check out the gaming outsiders group and join it get involved in the discussion it's a great great group over there and you won't be disappointed yeah, it's kind of one of the reasons why we never started a forum on our website. It's because everyone's got Facebook, so it's just easier for someone to just hop onto our group and just start talking, you know. So they don't have to sign up for a, an account and blah 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 and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, it's really easy. Just hop on and start talking with us. It's great, and you can even be on our show if you want. They will accept anyone. They let me on, so there's your proof. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So normally this is where I turn things over to my brother and he swoops in with Wikipedia and tells us what game we've been playing and gives us an in-depth read of that website. Unfortunately, he is extremely ill this month. Um, he hasn't been sick the whole month, but he's sick today as of recording. So we had to replace him. So we said we need to get somebody whose quality will be as good or better. Uh, and luckily, we had sitting in the wings just waiting to swoop in and, and permanently take the job of P2 Mr. Ryan Gorman, also known as It's Rocket Sauce. Thanks for being here, Ryan. Thanks for having me. I wouldn't say better, but, you know, wow. but thanks so very much for having me here. You wouldn't say better, but if you read the text message that I sent to my brother, it says that word. <laughs> well, <cool>. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I'm going to turn things over to you, and you can tell everybody what we've been playing this month. All right, well, for this month, we've been playing uh, Beyond Oasis for the Sega Genesis, or other known as, in the European version, is the story of Thor, Hayeki, I don't know, is that, that's too japanese for me, a successor to the light. There you go, that's the European title for it. Um, it is was developed in 1994 uh, by Ancient, uh, made by Sega, uh, the publisher Sega. 
Um, designer Katiro Uchimura. Um, I'm not familiar with his work too much, but what struck me more about this was that this game's composure was Yuzo Kasiro. I hope I said that correctly. Probably not. Um, but <laughs> If you didn't, he'll correct us. So if you don't hear anything from him, you definitely got it right. Well, one thing that really struck me about this game, and before we go into the details of this game, um, on the starting screen of this game, it says, you know, the title Beyond Oasis, but below it, it has music by composer Yuzo Kasiro. Uh, I hope I say that correctly. But uh, he, I find it very weird because I really don't see too many games right off the bat that show you the the composer or the music by too many, especially for this kind of era of game. Uh, so I, that's one thing that struck me right away from the beginning of this game. Uh, but the platforms, we can go into the platforms for this and... Uh, first, put on the Genesis or the Mega Drive. Um, you can be found on the Wii Virtual Console. It was also on the Sonic Ultimate Genesis Collection uh, on the Xbox 360 and the PS3. And I believe it can also be found on Steam. Um, it was released uh, in Japan on December 12, 1994, in North America on March 15, 1995. It is an action role playing game. Uh, and it's kind of like a mix between like Legend of Zelda, at least I would say the over the top version and kind of like a beat em up kind of a game. Um, yeah, very so secret that's, of mana is what I like very, to compare to the most. I, I'm hearing that a lot too for, for this kind of game. Um, I'm not too familiar with that uh, game. So uh, if anyone has anything, to, maybe you can compare it. Why for Secret of Mana? Would you yeah, like I could see. Uh, I played in Secret of Mana. I could see some similarities there. Uh, the hit detection in this is much better. Yeah, so does anyone have any uh, memories playing this game? Is this your first time playing? I'm uh, Travis, you want to take it from here? Yeah, so I, I played the game for the first time a few months ago, and actually I talked about it on the Polykill podcast. It was always a game that was on my bucket list. I have no recollection of it from the 90s at all, but it, I knew that I'd heard, you know, I'd seen lists and aggregated lists of good games that were on the Genesis, and it was always up there, so I was curious about what it was, and um, you know, picked it up, found it for a good price and played it. And I, I didn't know what I was getting myself into it immediately. I was kind of drawn to it because it did look like Zelda. And that was, that was pretty, I did like the Zelda-ness of it. Um, uh, that only goes so deep. And as we know, having played it, um, I'm sure we'll, we'll get to that. But, um, the weird thing about the game was though, I, when I initially sat down and played it. I played it for like two or three hours in one, like the very first sitting. I was kind of digging it and I saved it. And then the next day when I went back, the save was gone. The saved battery, the save battery was evidently dead. So I lost all that progress. But I happily started over and eventually completed the game. So I thought that kind of said a lot because usually in that situation, I would have just said, bah, and just said, forget it. I've, I've gotten my three hours out of it. But it hooked me enough to, to get me back. And uh, overall, I enjoyed it. Yeah, and just uh, the Zeldiness of it, I think, was really the initial hook. That's great. Good to hear. I'm glad to hear you got it at a good price because it's kind of a pricey game now if you buy the cartridge version of the game. Uh, but there are some cheaper alternatives out at the moment. Uh, so, so, Dean, is this your first time playing it too? You know, it's it's not my first time, and it, it's kind of a, a funny story. When I was a kid, I went to the video store with my friend Matt, and I, I vividly remember holding a copy of, of Mega Man X. And he was always the one with the Sega Genesis growing up, so he had a copy of Beyond Oasis, and I had some popcorn there. So I remember renting this game, but I have very, very few memories of ever playing it. The two memories I do have are uh, running around an area looking for a mirror between two ledges. And I remember that perfectly. So every time up until uh, up until March here, anytime somebody said Beyond Oasis, that was the scene I remembered. 
the second scene was a boss around the beginning of the game who could uh, sort of recreate the monsters, but they were grayscale or black and white versions. And I would run around and beat them up with a big fire genie. And so when I started this game, I imagined I would jump right into that. I'd be looking for a mirror. I'd be fighting this this boss who could summon creatures, and I never got to it. And so this whole month, I've been sort of denying the fact that I've ever really played this game. And I'm, I'm trying to think, you know, what sort of reality was I in? Like, where do I remember this from? Until this morning, when I picked up the game, I was at the last castle, and I said, well, I might as well beat it before the podcast. And as I walked into the castle, I saw that stand-up mirror between the two ledges, and everything just came rolling back. It was like a brick wall of nostalgia. And so I played through that castle, and I got to the the penultimate boss. And lo and behold, she you know pops up her her monsters that are all grayscale and black and white, and I'm beating it up with a, a fire genie. And it, just this wave of nostalgia kept coming. So I guess I must have rented it, and we must have played off of somebody else's save file because I can't imagine ever getting there as a kid. So That's cool. it, yeah, yeah, it's it's not my first time playing the game, but it is my first time uh, I guess playing through the game. That's great to hear. Uh, Josh, won't you, uh, is this your first time playing it? No, uh, I actually played this game a lot as a kid. The funny thing about me is I, I, was a, I was a Sega kid through and through. In the 16-bit era, I was all about the Genesis. I didn't actually get a Super Nintendo until the 32-bit era. So I had to go back and play a lot of those games that I missed out on. And, you know, it, it's hard being a Genesis kid because if you like RPGs, your, your options are very limited. When it came to the gym, the Genesis, the Genesis. Um, so you had Beyond Oasis, and then you had Fantasy Star series, and then there was, if you like the strategy games, you had, you know, Shining Force, and then there was Landstalker. It was like the other one that came to mind too, which I love. I love Landstalker, but Beyond Oasis was about the closest thing we had to Zelda aside from Landstalker. So of course, if you're looking for a game of that type, this is the game that you go for. I played it a lot as a kid. I finished it as a kid. I haven't touched it since. And uh, so I started playing it again this week. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, it brought back a lot of memories. It's it's a very fun game. Um, I don't quite have the nostalgia for it as I did, you know, back then or the love for it I did back then, because I think that at the time there just wasn't a, a lot of options with games like this. So um, we just kind of took it for what it was and, you know, you liked it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's. I didn't finish it this time. I got probably several hours through it, and uh, I kind of ran out of time. But uh, this is definitely my, my my first time I've revisited it, and probably since the game released. And um, yeah, so yes, I have some history with this game. That's cool. All right, P one. How about yourself? Yeah. So I mean, as you know, when we were growing up, that uh, all right, you don't know. Um, <laughs> So, uh, yeah, we didn't have a Genesis growing up, so this was my first time with this game. Um, I'm, I'm actually quite lucky. Uh, the copy that I have was a gift from Buried on Mars, a fellow club member. got that a couple of years ago and just had never had the opportunity to put it in. So this was my first time putting it in and right away stricken with how beautiful it is. And I was like, oh, wow, right on. I'm a bit of a graphics whore, so I was very happy to see that this game looks really good. Um, and... Uh, I like that it's easy because it's it's not difficult. That little flag on the map says go here and you pretty much don't have to fight anything until you get there. So that's what I did. Um, <laughs> yeah, it. Uh, I do have some issues with it, but overall I was, as far as Genesis Zelda clones go, it uh, it is decent from what I've played. 
but I, uh, yeah, it's my first time. Great. As for myself, uh, this is my first time playing it. Uh, and to be 100% honest, I have never heard of this title before. And I grew up with the Genesis. Um, but I don't ever recall seeing this at the video game stores or movie rental places because I never had many kids or games growing up as a kid. So well, if it was there at the video store, I more likely played it. But I do not recall ever seeing this title. So this was my first time playing it. And... I will agree with P1 that the sprites in this game, uh, they're they're pretty great for, for I guess, the 10, maybe? Because, I don't know, 94, I guess that isn't bad time. But they, the game's graphics still, I think, hold up today. Um, and well, I guess we'll talk about this later, my, my thoughts. I'll save my thoughts for later on in the game. But uh, this was my first time. Uh, so now we'll talk about the story of this game. Uh, the game story... Uh, features around a character named Prince Ali, which me thinking this game coming around 1994, 1995, I thought when I first saw his name show up as Prince Ali, I kind of thought it would had to be part of some kind of like the Aladdin, you know, universe or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that's the first thing that came to my mind when I saw that. Uh, but as we go further in the story, it's nothing like the story of Prince Ali and the thieves. Um, but so it starts off with Prince Ali and he finds this gold armlet. Uh, on an adventure, and um, there's genie, or not a genie, he's a sorcerer, I believe his name is Raihar. He talks to him because he was the previous owner of the Golden Armlet, and he tells him about uh, how there's this great war between two sorcerers, uh, him and I believe the other one named Agado. Uh, he was, he was the, the master of the Silver Armlet. Now, they had this great war and eventually led to both these armlets uh, falling away and disappearing into history, only for him, Prince Ali, to find one of them and the silver armlet apparently wreaking havoc right now on uh, the world that they, they're in in this game. Oh, Oasis, I believe it's called. Uh, so Prince Ali goes back to, back to uh, town to find that Oasis is being overtaken, uh, and he goes to see his father, and his father tells him that he needs to go find the spirits, where he can find the first one, and, and so he starts his adventure. And from there on, you go on to find uh, the four other spirits. One, uh, the water spirit, Dido, uh, the fire spirit, Ifrit, uh, the darkened spirit, Shade, and then there's a plant spirit named Bo. Uh, and then from there, you have to go on your adventure, and you come back to uh, to your castle only to find that I believe your father is killed. Am I correct on that one? Uh, no, I so think he was alive, wasn't he? Yeah, I think your father's alive. Or your sister, I don't know. Your sister's kidnapped or something. Just before we continue on, sure. there's going to be spoilers. So if you're listening, cool. um, there will be spoilers. <laughs> Sorry about that. No spoilers here. Sorry. Surprise. Um, I, like I said, I, I remember your father was taken down by this uh, hooded, caped stranger, uh, but the one bearing the silver armlet. And she sends you down to the bottom of the castle to get the spirit. And in order to get your sister back, you're going to have to get this power to hand over to the uh, shaded character. Uh, not the shaded spirit, but this hooded uh, evil villain. And from there, you find out... Uh, should, I, should I go into, I guess, the ending right here? Or should we... You can jump into it or... Uh... You can jump into the ending, or we can talk about the characters, see who likes what characters, what they think of them, sure. stuff like that, before we, right. we jump into the ending. It's up to you, though. All right. Sorry. Before the ending, I guess let's talk about the, uh, the characters. Uh, 
Dean, you want to tell me anything Anything who stands out about any of the characters for yourself? I think the, the characters were, were fairly generic. Um, I mean, the, the story itself is good. It's, it's a little more simplified than some of the other RPGs of that time. Uh, you start off right away and you know who the enemy is. You know who the, you know, the ultimate villain is and you know what you're trying to do. So uh, the, the characters are, are pretty scaled down. Like you said, you have sort of your your father who's the king and your sister who's the princess. But the dialogue isn't too rich. It just kind of follows along with the story. So I didn't feel like the characters were really being that fleshed out. Uh, you mentioned Raharl and Agito, uh, who are the sorcerers, and then the the four summons. So outside of those guys, I, I don't really think I know of any other characters um, that it mentions. So not a whole lot of character development. So I'm just going to say they're pretty generic. Nothing really stands out. All right. Uh, Josh, any characters stand out to you? Nah, not really. They're all pretty much, you know, status quo characters for a generic story, if you ask me. Um, the uh, the the spirits in this game, though, kind of remind me of the elements from Cameo, Elements of Power. Did you guys ever play that game? Can't say that I have. No. It was on the three. It was like a 360 launch title because um, they, they had like a power that you transform into. And one of them was like a plant and one of them was like a fire and a water one and stuff like that. So that comes to mind when I revisited this game. But yeah, I mean the I mean you got Efreet and uh, the the little bow plant guy was just like one that was an elements of power cameo. Uh, Dido does great backup vocals for Eminem. Uh, so yeah, um, but yeah, none, other than that, like none of these characters really stood out to me. They just they felt like placeholders just to get a story going, just to get the the action pumping, and just give you a, a game more or less. So nothing really special. All right, Travis, how about yourself? Yeah, I kind of echo what these guys said. It just seems like the characters are essentially placeholders just just to facilitate the story. I mean, an armlet is essentially a character in the story, and anytime you know, sentient jewelry is at the center of it all, I kind of toss the story out the window. Like it's not gripping or enthralling at that point. It it has all the trimmings of a, you know, save the princess and slay the dragon king recipe, but with armlets and, and stuff at the focal piece and just kind of disembodied voices for villains. There was really never any motivation for me to to seek out the story aside from just continuing where the game was leading me to. All right. The armlets well, seem very similar to the uh, the Triforce pieces. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's like, I got one piece and you got the other piece and together we can destroy the world. We have both of them, you know? It was kind of similar to that. Yeah, I, was, I mean, this isn't the only thing I felt like they ripped off from Zelda, but that's that's still very, very, very similar. Instead of, uh, instead of three pieces, that's two, so it's better. Yeah, I guess so. It's make it easier. <laughs> Those doesn't waste my time. AP <laughs> one, hey, how about yourself? I didn't uh, even know their names until I looked them up to write the outline. <laughs> I, I knew Ali because they said it in the beginning, and I knew the sprites because they say it. But yeah, I couldn't. Uh, the fact that the guy's name is Silver Armlet. Come on. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, I, think, I don't know. <laughs> I, I think that has to do maybe with, we can maybe talk about, I guess, part of the gameplay for this, because I think that has to do with, you make a good point about not knowing their names, because honestly, the only one name I could really remember was Shade, because I think it made sense because he was like, you know, just like Shadow. Um, but uh, they don't really repeat their names. And the, to me, there wasn't very much dialogue in the game. It was just basically, okay, go to here. So you go to there. You know? So, um, but does anyone have a favorite character? Like, you know, for most of the time you had to have a spirit that you stick with. Um, for myself personally, I liked using, I guess, Ifrit the, uh, the most, 
for battle because I can mostly just set him out there and uh, he would basically take out the whole screen for you most of the time, uh, especially if you double tap the A button. I believe he would use his magic because these spirits usually have two forms of powers. One's usually, uh, I think, an attack and the other one's like some kind of special feature they can have. Um, and I, I mean, this is an example for Dido. She's got the spirit of water. So if there's like a, a flame or something that's in your way, uh, she can put it out, but she can also recover your health. And she could also, uh, she's got like a tornado attack. Um, and Ifrit's got something where he just sends into a giant fireball everywhere. Um, and I, I think Bose is, he just, the only thing I could ever really know him using for was knocking down doors. And, uh, but I'm not too familiar what else he did. And Shade, um, the only thing I can really use him for is pulling myself back if I fall off a cliff here or uh, give me across a bridge. But does anyone else have, like, who, uh, P1, is there a guy you use more uh, than anyone in your group? Uh, no, uh, the, the the power of the, uh, not power, the magic meter or whatever the summon meter is, it drains so quickly that I would leave them away until I came to an obstacle I couldn't get around or a boss fight if I knew there was, if I could like, get a feeling there was a boss fight coming. Um I would pretty much leave them away because it drained the magic meter so fast. So I found I was constantly jamming those little biscuits down, and that's just way too many carbs. Like, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I would have to say uh, Efreet, just for, like you said, the the fire ability um, to nuke like the screen essentially. But uh, mm -hmm. yeah, I I had no attachment to any of these characters. I I couldn't possibly care any less. Okay, Josh, did you use anybody in particular more than anyone else? I actually didn't use the spirits unless I absolutely had to. Okay. I pretty much was just just fighting with the uh, the weapons, and that was about it. I mean, there's there's times where you have to use them, mm -hmm. and there's puzzles that are involving them. But other than that, I I kind of forgot they're even there. Dean, how about yourself? Yeah, for me it was Efreet. Uh, I, I used him wherever I could, uh, and I found that. Dido or Ditto, the, her healing power was so overpowered. Anytime you cross the stream, you just mm -hmm. you're at full health again. So mm -hmm. I used her a bit too. Travis, anyone stand up for you? Yeah, pretty much, pretty much Efreet. Um, but just to add something new, I I did think that their ability to kind of help you out in battle, like if you had to use them, especially later in the game when there's just lots of enemies, um, it, they were pretty good at at taking on. Uh, some of the enemies on the screen, so I did find them useful, but like everyone else said, that, that meter drained too fast, and those biscuits, it's just way too many carbs. Mm -hmm. Now, the one thing that's weird about them, too, is that you can't just really summon any character you want. You can't just press the start button. You have to find an element in order to uh, uh, to summon these these spirits. Uh, so if you wanted to use Efreet, you have to find like a flame somewhere, and then you would just press the A button to shoot a beam from your golden armlet, into the flame and then it would summon your your spirit um same thing with uh with the uh water one you would if you find like a water area or even if it was just dripping to the ground you can if you hit the drip you could uh rebring her back from the the uh, from the water there uh but this yeah, game also there was, has some there other... was like steam fountains coming up that you could hit yeah, with, yeah. and she would come from that's a that's a decent mechanic i mean the way you summon them is cool like it's you're not just summoning a creature out of your backpack or rubbing a lamp and a genie comes out. You got to actually actively look for these things. I just felt like there wasn't enough of these things in the world. So I guess 
I mean, that also makes it more special when you do some of them. So it's like, just based on your preference, I guess. There's there's a couple I found, too. There's a couple, and they're very rare to find, too. Um, there's, like, you can find them, by, I believe, just taking out an enemy. But there's, like, a little lantern that you can use once to, to switch it to the flame character. Or, uh, like, a water vase for, for the water one. But I can't recall, like, one for the shade. But then again, if you found just, like, a dark area, you could just tap that area and bring them back. Or if you found grass, you can bring back a uh, uh, bow, the the plant spirit. Um, but that wasn't the only, like, mechanic of the game. There's also uh, – there's weapons, uh, and they all have that durability right now that everyone seems to love. Before we jump into gameplay mechanics, I just want to wrap up the story. So sure. um, those are the characters. We have all said that they're very generic. They don't really have – much personality to them. Even the story I found was very basic. Um, but that's not necessarily a bad thing in an action-adventure or beat-em-up style game. So did any, any of you guys either particularly like the story or particularly dislike the story? Um, let's hear from Trav, because I know Trav's a big fan of this game. Well, I wouldn't say big fan, but uh, I think the game... I mean, it, it's it's light on everything. It It... Felt like it just really wanted to set out to take the Zelda recipe and apply it to this very simple idea that they had. So the, the the enemies are simple. There's only so many. After the first hour in the game, you pretty much see the same ones over and over again. the The story, obviously, we've gone over it is is fairly simple. Uh, the game lasts maybe eight hours if you are really thorough with the map. Um, there's only one town. There's hardly any NPCs. Um, it's a very light on dialogue, but I don't think all of that's bad because it is a game that you can just kind of hop in. Uh, you don't really have to, you know, take in a lot of heavy RPG dialogue and stats or anything like that, but they did kind of layer it with in some of the mechanics we're going to talk about, you know, with the weapon durability, et cetera, to kind of give it a little more, but yeah, I don't necessarily dislike that it's light and that it's, it lack because I think it makes up for its personality in some other ways, which we'll again, probably talk about, you know, graphically and with sound. Um, I think it, it does pretty good to be, I mean, I don't think it set out to be a, a classic and it, it might've actually turned out better than even they thought because um, we're, we're here talking about it, but uh, I, I think it turned out okay for, for what it was. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, it's not, like you said, there's not, there's not walls of text and there's not tons of characters, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. Right. Okay. Now we'll jump into the gameplay. Sorry about that, Ryan. No, it's fine. <laughs> Uh, I was going to say real quick about that. You know, I, I don't think uh, that's a bad thing either. Um, it it almost, I guess you're going to repeat the whole thing that kind of is ripping off Zelda, but like the original Zelda doesn't have much going on either. So it's, um, it it doesn't, it's not bad, but I think it's a really good starting point for, I guess, what a franchise can be. Um, but I guess we'll go right into the discussion on the mechanics of the game here. Um there's it's kind it plays kind of a little bit like a beat 'em up. I heard that talk about a little bit. Um I didn't first think of it like that at first, but now after hearing people talk about it, it it, it plays kind of like a beat 'em up. Uh but it's I, got I think that... what what brings the beat 'em up feel to it is the sound effects. Like I don't know if you guys noticed this, but some of these sound effects in this game sound extremely similar to Streets of Rage. Mm-hmm. Like if you pause the game and unpause it, I swear that bloop, bloop, noise that it plays is exactly the same sound effect that you here when you pick up food in Streets of Rage. It's so the same a lot developers, of the, isn't it? The Streets same of Rage. Yeah. 
Yeah, and the the uh, the composer, the same composer too, which is really odd because his music was amazing and not so amazing in this game. But but yeah, I mean that that's what made the the beat 'em up feel come to me is just just the sound effects and everything that's happening. And this is the first game of this type that I've played that had combos in it. You know, yeah. before mm-hmm. you know stuff like this. So it's he's just whipping into some kung fu moves all of a sudden. You know, I'm slashing my sword and then I'm doing karate kicks and it's kind of jarring at first. But but yeah, definitely the sound effects is what made that feeling for me. Dean, do you have any other comments about the the combat for it by chance? Uh, well, I, I think from a gameplay perspective, I went into this game thinking it was more of an RPG. I did a little bit of research beforehand and saw that uh, Sega had had gone through this initiative called the Mega Roleplay Project, where they just threw money at, at games to be developed, like Beyond Oasis and Shining Force CD, and uh, Crusaders of Senti was another one. So I went into this game thinking, okay, this is going to be a pretty fleshed out RPG. And we talked about how generic the story was. And and from a mechanic standpoint, uh, I thought they, they might have run out of time. I mean, right when you start off the game, uh, you get to the first village and there's a guy calling you saying, hey, come, come look at my wares. I have something special for you today. So you go talk to him and he just says the same thing over and over. You can't buy anything. And then the monsters attack the village and the the kid says hey my mother ran inside can you go help and you try and get in the door but the doors don't open in the game so it it just seems like they they had these grand ambitions and they when you play through it it really doesn't come through and i think the combat is 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 pretty similar i hate the durability mechanic of weapons i didn't like it in breath of the wild i didn't like it in diablo i didn't like it in this game it just it it doesn't work for me Uh, they, they need to be permanent weapons and and that alternative uh little dagger that you have is it just doesn't work in in the game so i didn't like the combat and uh and a lot of these gameplay mechanics i felt were only half finished hey, travis was there a weapon that you used majority of the time or yeah the dagger, the dagger? <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, yeah yeah definitely i'm it, it, i'm kind of like uh dean in the way that you know the durability mechanic i think made the game a little more uh, difficult because otherwise I felt like it, it might have been really easy so maybe that was their way of, of giving it some extra layer of dip- difficulty and, and just something else um, but yeah when it, when it comes to like weapon durability and things and, and even the, the spirits if it's something I can run out of and then later find myself in a pickle because I used it all up I'm not going to use it until I absolutely need it so I just found myself making my way around with the dagger as best I could did you guys end up, anyone end up using a lot of, because I know there's a lot of, like, food droppage and magic uh, would drop. Did you guys end up, like, spending it right away, or did you guys just use it up as soon as you get it? Or Oh, yeah, I, I jammed that for break my face. Two very opposite cheese. answers right there. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I held on to everything for boss fights because that was the only points in the game where I actually felt like I needed them. Same with the weapons, too. Uh, otherwise, I would just run past enemies or just hack up the ones that were in my way and keep going. So I, 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 I tend to do that in a lot of games, though. I kind of hold on to a lot of my items and kind of hoard them until I need them. So it was no different in this game. Mm-hmm. That that was the biggest thing I noticed about this is that I didn't fight a single creature on the overworld. I just ran. I opened the map. I looked where the flag was. I walked in that, and I shouldn't say ran. I walked extremely slowly in that direction until I got there, and then I I went in the dungeons. 
Um, yeah, they don't really aggro much. No. Like, they just kind of stand there and let you run past them. And the AI is really stupid on them, too. Like, they'll just kind of run into your attacks or they'll just kind of stand there and let you attack them. So, yeah, yeah they don't really give you much of a reason to go after them or make them and, a threat at all. No, not your, and that's exactly it. There's, there's almost no aggro. And the durability is a big deal for me. So because of that, like, uh, like Travis, I... I'm not walking around with my sword, though, because I've only got 30 hits. It tells me I've got 30 hits. This thing's a good deal. I don't want to have to go up there against a, a boss with nothing but my fucking Johnson in my hand. Because <laughs> essentially, that's all that dagger is. So I had no incentive to fight the guys in the overworld. I know we leveled up randomly on occasion. Um, but that wasn't even enough of a push. Be even the combat when I was fighting. Now, this is probably... I'm not a huge fan of beat-em-ups anyway. And if the combat style was built like that with combos in mind or something, I just felt like I mashed B. I didn't feel like there was much strategy required to any of them. You could jump and kick or you could mash your attack is what I did. Now, maybe I'm way off. Maybe there's depth and layers to this combat that I missed. But for me, it just felt like mash B on this ridiculously large Genesis controller. And uh... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Genesis fans. And um, I miss my sleek purple buttons. And... Uh... And, you get and walk. small hands of yours. <laughs> I do have tiny little hands, man, like a child. <laughs> Speaking but, of uh, the enemies, did you guys, the little blob enemies in this game, was it just me? Did they look like Chewy Spree? Oh, the, I know what you're talking about. Those things yeah. are the worst. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you she guys ever had Chewy Spree? Like, they look exactly like that. It's like it's like Chewy Spree came in and did some marketing so they could finish the game or something. It was <laughs> They were uncanny the way they looked. Even like the little, the little glare that they gave off and everything just looked like candy. I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. Uh, as for myself, I, I mean, I used the the dagger for the majority of time, but I developed, I guess, my double dash attack. I was just basically, I would try to keep a distance away from everybody, and then I would just run, double dash, you know, tap the button twice in their direction, and then just do like the hard B attack, and that would almost take out every enemy every time. Um, and I would save my weapons for for the boss fights, and uh, I kind of regret it for one of the boss fights because um, I I didn't have any bow and arrows with the game. Uh, and there's a platforming level, and if you have a bow and arrow, you can just sit from a distance and take them out right away. But if you have to jump across these moving platforms, I'll let this giant blob. Uh, it was an absolute nightmare. Uh, but as for that, that was the only really complaints I think I had for the combat of the game. Um, I, I don't. Did anyone really use the double dash by chance? Like I kind of used it for for all my attacks, um, just to yeah. run through areas, pretty well, much. Not for attacking though. Yeah, no, I used I it to run through the overworld quite a bit, and I think I was pretty late in the game when I learned that I could do the double dash attack, and mm -hmm. then I probably used it way too much after that. But yeah, it was good. You know, I guess that's here that you can attack with the double dash. <laughs> yeah. So, so what I do is like I said, you just tap it twice in the direction and then just hit your attack button. And it's like, it's like almost like an uppercut or some attack. Uh, and it takes out every enemy right away. Um, and then besides that, it's got the, like, whatever you can just mash the B button, you know, do the kick attack. Um, but my one complaint, I guess I could say for the mechanics of the game I don't, know, I don't know if this really comes with mechanics, but I, I probably it probably does. Is that the game really doesn't tell you, um, it doesn't it really doesn't inform you of anything. You have to discover it on your own. Uh, I had a lot of aha moments playing this game, uh, and by that I mean like, so I come to this an area where I'm stuck because I can't get past 
this, I can't guess, let's say I'm walking across a bridge and I can't walk past it because there's this giant ice structure right in front of me. Well, the only way I know how to get past it is with the fire guy. And I, how am I going to get past this guy? There's no flames around here. I'm all out of magic. I'm screwed. Uh, well, I found out later uh, through people on Twitter that you can just drop bombs by it and they'll blow up the ice. Well, <laughs> there's nothing ever to say that, that that will happen in the game. You know, there's there's a lot of moments like that in the game where, to, to me, um, it just it, it could have used a little direction. Um, anyone else have any moments like that by chance? I did actually with using the spirits um, early in the game. I think you come to a flame. I don't know. If, I don't know how early it is. Maybe it's a third of the way through. But up until that point, I felt like there had always been water spouts or whatever coming out for me to use. That um, I guess Dido or whatever. And when I got there, I didn't see that, so I, I backtracked and looked around, and I didn't realize that I could just pull it right out of the the lake that's like right there. I didn't realize that I could just get water from any water source or flame from any flame source. I always thought it had to be either that spout or, you know, the really obvious ones they put in front of you. So that was a moment like really, you know, pretty far into the game. I, I could have taken advantage of sooner. I was like, Oh, okay. Well, that would have been nice to know. It probably says it in the manual. I didn't look at the, I don't have the manual, but, but yeah. Same here. Well, it's another piece that they, they had every opportunity. You, you talk to, there's like 20 people walking around in the village. They could say something important, but instead they're like, Oh, I like fish. Here's some bread. <laughs> it's just it, all the dialogue in the game is useless unless it's kind of the scripted, um, you know, progression forward of, of the king or the princess. But everybody else has one-liners that mean nothing. I, I love when you get a, a spirit in this game. Like when you get the water spirit, it says, you have found the water spirit that sleeps in the water shrine. Like, no shit. I just went through the water <laughs> shrine and found it. Why did you have to tell me that? Like they state the obvious quite often in this game too. Well, I'm glad to hear I'm not the only person who had a, some difficulty, I guess, or I guess moments or just head scratching moments throughout this game. Um, in this game, I guess it, it very, it's a very linear way. I, I find that the, the path that you have to go, when you look at the overhead map is counterclockwise. Uh, and because it, it's when you press the, the map button or if you press with a six button Genesis controller, there is, I believe, an automatic map button but for most people you press the start button and uh it would show you exactly where you need to go which i appreciate because um i i personally like i prefer a linear game i hate having to search every little nook and cranny to find exactly where i need to go um anyone else like this feature or no yeah it was the waypoint feature was probably my favorite thing about the game it's it's not a difficult game it's easy it's so you don't even really need to read the the limited dialogue, and so it's like, all right, uh, I go to that flag, I'll run there, I'll run through whatever dungeon is there, and then I'll move on to the next flag. Um, I like that it's easy. I like that you don't have to think a whole lot about it. I do have frustration with the fact that, like as D, like Dean mentioned, that, and you yourself mentioned, there's no there should never be a situation when I I am playing a game and I don't realize stuff like this can happen, especially when it's an action and adventure, you know what I mean? Or an action RPG or whatever you want to call this game. Um, you got towns full of people. You've got, I don't know, maybe the manual had a bunch of stuff that I didn't notice, but uh, I did like, I loved, loved the waypoint system because without that, I likely would not have gotten as far as I had because I didn't have the, I didn't feel like the game was pushing me to explore, you know? I felt mm -hmm. like it was, it, it really felt like they wanted to make a side-scrolling beat-em-up with, you know, very little of the, the Zelda-like materials. And I think maybe they, they should have, but 
Nope, I, I completely understand you. Um, anyone else have anything else to say about uh, the marking of the maps, by chance? We should move on. All right, we'll move on. <laughs> uh, uh, the anyone, I know P1, you mentioned this, you find this game to be somewhat easy. Uh, anyone find it besides a little challenging, by chance, or as a uh, group group agreement here that this was uh, a fairly non-difficult game? The the bosses I think were were challenging, uh, not not Dark Souls challenging by any means, but they were definitely uh, they kept you on your toes. And I think the bosses in this game are probably the most memorable thing about the whole thing. Um, that like that first time you get to the dragon boss is extremely cool, mm-hmm. just very very detailed. Uh, the the boss with the like skull head or whatever freaked me out as a kid. I remember. Uh, the the final boss is very creepy looking too. A lot of these bosses just have really cool art design, and they're they're very creepy looking. And uh, to me, that's the most standout feature of this game are those bosses. And yeah, they they give you a run for your money. It seems. Absolutely. I I mean I love that dragon. That dragon was I mean like when you see it how huge it is on screen. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can think of that one that's kind of like a rock snake that has that like alien mouth coming out of its mouth. You know. The yeah. Little, you know, that cool. comes uh, after you at the side of the yeah. screen. Yeah, the the eyeballs that you like the the set of eyes that you had to fight were like mm-hmm. really creepy too. Did anyone have any memorable bosses by chance that stood out to them? Uh, Dean, I really liked. Uh, Josh mentioned the the last boss. I liked uh, his art design. His face is kind of like Baraka from from Mortal Kombat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, I really liked the the dragon as well. Uh, in terms of difficulty, I found that they're for the most part easy, except for the rock golem. I just I couldn't get the pattern down, and with the dagger, he was just so difficult to to try and get the timing right for the hits because there's rocks falling on you at the same time. Travis, uh, any, any boss stand to you? Yeah, my, I think my favorite one was the the black skull with the hands. Um, mm-hmm. For some reason, it looked like something that would have been on like the cover of a Blue Oyster Cult record from the 70s. It just it looked really badass. I enjoyed that. Um, but yeah, the the dragon as well looked looked really good. I liked a lot of the boss designs quite a bit. Um, I didn't find any of them particularly difficult. Um, I mean, I, I might have died once or twice on a few of them, but I think the most difficult part of the game for me was uh, platforming on those pillars with those spirits, kind of knocking you off. I think that was probably yep. the most frustrating point in the game for me, above about, all other part parts. I was about to mention that the platforming is really the most difficult part of this game. It's 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 very like pixel perfect you know like you have to really get the feel of that down and once you get to them they're pretty frustrating yeah the depth is just not not good enough i mean you're trying to follow your shadow and it's already a dark level and they're moving and then the spirits are hitting you it's it's a lot of throne controllers i I didn't even find shade helped me very much either when he's i think he's supposed to help you with that too but uh um, I know most of the time I would just do my double dash into the the next platform to help jump, but if you miss it, if you type do it too early, you fall right away. If you do it too late, you fall right away, and then you hear his, you know, him falling. You hear that with the scream, with the classic Genesis chime sound too. That's not as not as pretty. I don't know. I guess if I could say for myself though, like I'll, I'll repeat what I said earlier. I don't like that one platforming boss. That was awful. Uh, I hope everyone else had, doesn't have the difficulty that I did with that one. I almost quit the game on that that part alone. Luckily, after that, it wasn't so bad. But for me, that was awful. Does anyone have any uh, any favorite music from the game? Does anything does anything stand out to anybody for, for music? Uh, <laughs> no. I know. Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> um, how about? Well, yeah, I, I could probably speak a little bit on music sure. actually, um, because when I played this game, 
one of the things I remarked about it, because I, you know, I talked to Jake on the show about the games I play, and he's not a retro gaming enthusiast. Like, he he played them as a kid, and he's just all about the new stuff now. So I think the oldest console he has is a, is a PS4. Um, so when I'm talking about retro games, I feel like I'm kind of talking to my dad when I'm talking to him. I'm like, and there's stuff and things, and he's just kind of looking at me. But I was really hyped about the music in this game when I played it, and... I went to show him. I was like, yeah, see, dude, it's got tracks like this. And I was trying to find them on YouTube and I played them. And I was like, God, by themselves, these are awful. These are like not <laughs> good. So I thought about it. I was like, what is it about this, the music that I didn't mind it when I was playing it? Now, grading, or granted, it can grade on you. And it does have some pitches in there that makes you want to turn the TV down a little bit. There's some that repeat a lot. But I thought it was something about the mood that it set that I really enjoyed in to put it into words, because I was trying to find a way to explain it to Jake, because by this time he's still kind of looking at me weird. And I was like, um, so it doesn't have the standalone tracks like a Castlevania or a Zelda. You know, nothing you're going to want to listen to covers to or put on your iPod. But something about it with the art style, because while the art style is colorful, it it still felt like it was a little desaturated. And it felt like it was from a different time, like almost felt like it was part of a 50s cartoon. And I felt like the music complimented that sometimes or it made it feel like I wasn't playing a game from the 90s. I was playing a game from like the 50s because it had this like Alibaba kind of feel and, you know, kind of like an Aladdin character, Prince Ali, of course. So I don't know. Maybe that was just me. I know that's like a minority um, opinion about the music and that I actually at, at times found it enjoyable. But I do agree that by itself, you wouldn't want to just jam out to this. The music is oddly bland coming from the composer here because this is a guy that was involved in making the music for uh, for the Streets of Rage series. And mm-hmm. arguably, that the, the first two Streets of Rage game has some of the best music in gaming ever to me. And uh, like I, I would... I would buy an album of like remixes of that music and stuff. Like I, I, I love still to this day, I, I I'll play streets of rage just to listen to the music. Uh, so coming to this, it's just like, wow, this is kind of weird. I, I would expect much more coming from this guy, but it's just, it's, just, it's there to serve it. It's like the story. It's there to serve its purpose, to give context to what you're doing. And that's really it. So it, it's nothing out of the ordinary. I agree with both Travis and Josh. Cause it's, Nothing stands out. When, like, if you played a song for me right now, I wouldn't be able to fucking tell you what it was, if it was even from the game. You know what I mean? You could put on Adele. I'd have no idea. Um, but uh, it does, when you're playing the game, like, I normally play games, and I'll have a podcast playing in the background. I didn't with this, and it's not because I was really into the music, but I felt like the sound effects and the music and everything sort of created this uh, ambiance that fit the game, that made my experience a little bit better overall but like i said i wouldn't be able to go back and tell you what the overworld theme is or what the king's theme is or you know if they even had themes dean thoughts on the music yeah i i guess i'm pretty jealous of of (laughs) those those thoughts i i thought this music was horrendous i i really thought this was a terrible terrible uh p1 i don't know if you can overlay some music in in the podcast here but to all the listeners go listen to even the first 40 seconds of Beyond Oasis Water Cave. This is a song that plays through 90% of the puzzles and battles that you fight anytime you're in a cave. J- just listen to it. It's unreal how bad it is. It's like Yuzo Koshiro was in his studio trying to play and a two-year-old came in and started mashing on the keyboard. It sounds like three songs sort of overlaid at the same time and then somebody fucking around with the volume control. It gets quiet and loud and quiet and loud. It's just, I don't know how this got into a, a Sega game. 
I was so disappointed because I thought, you know, it's a it's an RPG on the Sega Genesis. It's going to have some sort of redeemable music qualities. Um, I love some of the Sega. Like, Josh, you said Streets of Rage. I listen to that all the time. It, it, it's not the composer. And, and Ryan, you had mentioned that the splash screen, when the game starts up, it has Yuzo Koshiro on there. So, yeah, I mean... The selling like, point. <laughs> yeah, they were obviously proud of this. And I, I just, I can't see what everybody else sees, I guess. This was a horrid, horrid music soundtrack. I can't, I can't defend it either, but the only track that I can ever really recall is the boot-up screen, the, the, the trumpets playing, or the horns playing. That's the only thing I could really, for me, for the music stands out, is that. Or I could, if I hear that, I'm like, oh yeah, it's Beyond Oasis. After that, I, I couldn't really tell you another song that stood out to me, that like, where I'd be humming or tapping my toes to it later, or want to go back and listen to the soundtrack later. Uh, but I guess this, I don't know if this was just a rush project for him, or... Beyond Oasis, Water Cave. Listen to it. I will. Uh, I will o- overlay that during this. I looked it up while you were talking, and it's good stuff. Okay. Um, there's one more, a few more things to talk about here. I guess we could talk about uh, the graphics a little bit more, because the sprites were were beautiful in this game. That's the one thing for me that really stood out. Is this game to me has aged really, really well. Um, some of the bosses, and I guess you could say like the overworld of this game. Um, did any part of the dungeons or overworld stand out to anybody? Or I any felt like the dungeons were pretty. The dungeons were fairly recycled after a while, and same with um, a lot of the enemies. I mean, they did some color swaps throughout the game, but mm-hmm. there wasn't a lot of variety. I, I thought, um, for the most part, I mean, you could tell you could tell the different levels apart, but um, I don't know. A lot of it felt kind of bland at times, especially you know after you'd been been in it for a while. Yeah, they kind of hit all the themes that you would expect, you know, in a game. You know, you have, like, your rocky level, and you have, like, your forest area, and then you have, you know, like a like a cave kind of area, stuff like that. It's it's nothing that you're not going to see in any other game, I guess you could say. Um, there, there's some light puzzle solving that they throw in here and there uh, that kind of breaks up some of the, the, the bland combat that this game can have. But otherwise, I, I agree. Like, they're, they're just kind of there to exist. You, you run through them, you fight some enemies... Uh, there, there's some instances like in that first dungeon where they had the water rush down at you and I kept getting knocked back. I'm like, what the hell am I supposed to do here? And then I was just, you, you kind of hit that moment where you just start dicking around expecting that none of this is going to work, but it just happens to work. And then you get to the final boss in that area. So, um, I, I feel like some of the, the instances that they, they set up for you or some of the puzzles don't really make a lot of sense to the player of what you're supposed to really be doing. And you just solve them by accident. But otherwise, um, yeah, they're, they're, it's just okay for the most part. It's it's not highly detailed, you know, intricate Zelda dungeons by any means. But, um, you know, it, once you get to the bosses, though, I feel like it redeems the, the path to them. You know, the path to the boss isn't exciting, but when you get to the boss, then things get fun. Yeah, I can't remember any offhand, but I do remember some of the puzzles being clever, or maybe I was just stupid when I played certain ones. But I was impressed with a couple of, of i guess wrinkles that they threw in um because it t- kind of broke broke up the monotony of just entering screen killing guys exit screen um but yeah nothing really like like i'm having a hard time recalling exactly what i'm thinking of so really none of them stand out but there are there are some okay puzzle moments i was just gonna say i have a, a not okay puzzle moment it was the uh on top of the wall with the wind and the the flame jets and mm-hmm. then the the swarm of knights 
it's it acts like it's a conveyor belt and the game just doesn't control well enough for that kind of difficulty that was that was the at that point i was like i'm going to fucking quit playing this game that was <laughs> extremely frustrating for me uh so despite my statement that the game was overall easy that part was i found to be like the water the jaws mentioned cuz that water a couple of times it goes and it's like okay well maybe i jump it or whatever but with that up on that wall your only choice is to do- to dash and you have to double tap to dash which is a shitty fucking way if you if you're a game developer and you're listening to this right now give us a separate dash button um yeah that's that was frustrating but anyway sorry i completely interrupted you there no that's fine uh you had a good point there um, for me, the only thing I think I want to say, because none of the dungeons really stood out, I could say, that I can really remember. Oh, yeah, this part was great. Uh, the one thing that I really liked about them, though, is that they weren't very long. That uh, I find myself actually be able to beat every dungeon within about 10 minutes or less, um, with with the exception of maybe the castle or the final, the final stage. Uh, I found them to be rather short. Uh, but I, I actually kind of liked it, um, that I like to go, get to be able to fight the boss right away. Um, Anyone else like this feature or no? Yeah, they don't wear out their welcome. Yeah, some of the Zelda dungeons are kind of long and drawn out. As much as I love Zelda, I'm a huge Zelda fan, but there are times where I'm just like, come on, man, let's let's wrap this dungeon up. This game, they're so short that it really doesn't matter, and then you just kind of get to the good bits, which are the boss fights. So, yeah, they, they definitely don't wear out their welcome. All right. Uh, well, I guess I'll finish up wrapping up the story because I don't think we ever ended it how this game ends. Uh, and I... So you go on, you get the spirit, and you go to find your sister to, t- to trade it for your sister uh, with this hooded uh, silver armlet villain. Uh, so after your sister is rescued from the trade and exchange, you find out that uh, after defeating the silver armlet in the battle, you find out that uh, she has already resurrected this evil spirit boss. Then after <laughs> after completely taking him out, um, he's got, like, I believe Dean mentioned, he kind of looks a little bit like Varaka. Uh, not Baraka, right? Or Blanca? Blanca, I'm sorry. Uh, no, Baraka from, from Mortal Kombat. Baraka. Uh, he kind of looked like him, uh, but he has like several snake heads on the sides. Where after you take him out, then you can go after his head. Um, and then after finding that, after after taking him out, you find out that the the twist of the game is that the hooded character is your older sister Gwen, and uh, she. I, I guess she's really sorry for what happened, but I, I'm under the impression. <laughs> I'm under the impression that my she, bad. Uh, yeah, I'm under the impression that she, she was possessed by the silver armlet, uh, but because she just basically says that she feels terrible for what happened, and she's gonna stay back with the the spirits in the the shadow world, and she eventually locks away the spirits after you go on living on your life, um, and that's how the game ends. Um, now I know there was. Uh, Another game in the series, uh, which is a prequel for the Saturn. Does anyone have any experience with that game by chance? Yeah, it's really bad. Really? Yeah, it's really bad. It's ugly. It doesn't play good. It's it's not good. That's really disappointing to hear. Yeah, I was a big Saturn nerd. I was like the only kid in school that actually had a Saturn. <laughs> Everyone either had an N64 <laughs> or a PlayStation. Uh, I actually had a Saturn, and it, it was funny because when you go to rent games for it, like the only place that had them was Blockbuster Video, and they only had like 10 games. So mm-hmm. every time they got a game, like it was it was a game I would rent because they had mm-hmm. nothing better to, to, you know, to play. So uh, Legend of Oasis was one of those, and I remember just hating it. 
You just saved that's, me two hundred dollars. That's how yeah, much it goes for. <laughs> Holy I mean, shit. every other Saturn game I own cost me two hundred bucks, so I'm gonna assume it is. <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of the most expensive consoles to collect for. It's rough. Uh, overall rating. What are you guys' final thoughts on the game? Uh, Dean, why don't you start us off here? I think it has the concept of of being a really good game. I just don't think it was well executed. So I didn't enjoy it as much as I would have liked. I thought the music really brought it down a couple notches. Uh, I loved the graphics. Um, from a gameplay perspective, you know, with the, the durability thing and um, the pacing, I felt was a little off. Um, overall, I just, yeah, I just didn't really enjoy it. But I think had it been done differently or had there been a remake of it uh, for, for some of the recent generation consoles, I think I would really, really enjoy it. So I'm going to recommend it to anybody who wants to try out uh, a new type of action RPG on the Sega Genesis or anybody who, who really likes those mid nineties um, classic games. But uh, outside of that, not, uh, not a huge fan. So, so what would you say, what the main feature, what, what couple things would you like to see changed if they were ever going to make another game in the series? Um, besides the weapon durability, is there something, anything else by chance or? Yeah, I would add more RPG elements. So I didn't really understand how the experience worked in this game. It seemed fairly random. But I would like a, an actual level up system, maybe a couple new summons, uh, a little bit more usage of those summons to to solve puzzles and a bit better pacing. So instead of just doing the first two shrines in the first hour and then the last two toward the end, have maybe six or seven shrines in there with a bunch of different summons. Um, but with the same concept of, of using a stream to summon a water spirit or uh, a campfire to summon the, the Ifrit. So I, I think uh, maybe a currency system where enemies drop currency, so there there is a reason to kill them, uh, as opposed to just running through. So these little things that were around at that time, they were tropes of RPGs in the mid-90s, uh, for whatever reason, just didn't get used. So I think a, a remake would really do it justice. Now, before before I pass this on to anyone else, did anyone else by chance get the Unbreakable Omega Blade by chance? Uh, no. No, I don't think I did either. I, I understand those words individually that you're saying, but I don't recognize them put together in a sentence. Yeah, well, sorry about that. Um, there is one sword, but you have to go through 100 levels to get it. Uh, it's, the, I guess, the most powerful sword in the game, and it's unbreakable. There is one version that I believe after defeating a boss you get it. Uh, it's there, but it's, well, it's, well, it wears out after like 40, 40 hits. Uh, but there is an unbreakable version, but you have to go to the hidden passage, I believe, in the woods. Uh, and it, after the trial of 100 levels, you unlock that blade, uh, which makes the, apparently breaks the game then, too. Um, Does that explain so guess, to you by one of the characters in the village? or Nope. You just have to find it. Uh. What do you mean? 100 levels? Uh, like, sorry. Uh, it's like, a, it's like a, they, they, after they throw a bunch of, like, enemies on a stage and after clearing them off you get another stage and then another stage and eventually the bosses the guys get a little bit bigger and a little bit more difficult and after if you survive all 100 levels you get the unbreakable omega blade oh wow okay cool yeah i wasn't well aware of this until the very end of the game and i was at the last point where i said no i'm not going to do this uh so i saved my my one breakable omega blade and i used it on the final boss yeah, I got the Omega Blade 2 in the last level. It had like 30 uses, and it was super overpowered, so I can't imagine an unlimited one. Mm -hmm. 
Sorry about that. I know, I just remembered it right now because I remember seeing that and I was like, "There's no way I'm going for this right now," because uh, it seemed like you, it seemed like it was like a half hour worth of work to do. And at that point in time, uh, maybe if you want to get it right away at the beginning of the game and rush through it, that probably be a way to go through it. Uh, but at, where I was at, I decided not to. Um, so sorry, sorry to derail the talk there. I just because I hear everyone talking about the breakable weapons being a big issue for everybody. Um, so Travis, how about yourself? Was there any lasting impressions? Uh, final thoughts? Would what would you like to see changed? Yeah, I think again the thing that sticks out to me the most is uh, the sound, and I I know it's divisive. I know Dean really hates it, um, but uh, I don't know. When I think back on the game, um, and when P1 asked if I would beyond this the one thing that i did remember was the sound so it, it does stick out now it might stick out like a sore thumb in a bad way but um i don't know to me it was just something that stuck out just because it kind of did set this tone for this it, it made me nostalgic for a time i never lived in which is kind of weird uh, i think ultimately when i played it i gave it an eight out of ten and I, I don't know that i would stick with that i might say six out of ten um being a few months removed from my experience with it uh I feel like my initial impression was giving it a pass because I was I was kind of impressed that it was uh, an RPG Zelda-like game for the Genesis. You know, it's kind of like seeing a three three-legged dog get around. You're like, hey, he's not he's not he's not doing bad. He's missing a leg, but he's getting around. You know, that's kind of what I felt. You know, with this game initially. But looking back, yeah, there there are definitely better experiences. But it's okay. Uh, has its flaws. Um, it is a unique experience to the Genesis, I think, which is nice. Um, but I, I do enjoy its length. So if I recommend it, you know, to my adult friends who have busy lives and I say, you, you know, this is a RPG light experience that you can have. Uh, and I'm even more likely to replay it because it's short. So I, I think that's that's one giant perk of it. Um, but I do wish there were some some more games like it for the Genesis. I mean, not exactly like it, um, certainly improvements of it uh, for the Genesis. But uh, I guess Beyond Oasis is what we got. And Legend of Oasis that came later was evidently worse. I'm learning. So uh, it's a bit of a bummer. P1, how about yourself, lasting impressions? What would you like to see change? Uh, I, you can leave it the way it is. I, I think it's I think it's fine the way it is. I just won't play it again. Um, it's it's a beautiful game. I, I I really like the way it looks. Uh, the sprites are big. They're very well animated. It looks good. And um, I do think that it's that's its strongest quality. Uh, the sound, I don't hate it as much as Dean. Um, but it was... Uh, that track that he mentioned is kind of bad. Um... <laughs> But uh, it's just sort of there in the background. I, I don't know. The game felt... It's definitely a Zelda clone, but it definitely feels Zelda-like to me. Um, it doesn't... The, the weapon durability is a, a super pain in the ass. I can't stand that. Uh, and I shouldn't have to go through 100 levels of bullshit to get a weapon that doesn't break. That also irritates me. Um, I also shouldn't have to go through... Uh, what's 13 times 4 shrines to get a weapon that doesn't break. But that's something else we'll talk about. Um, I, uh, I don't know. Overall, it's... I'm glad I played the game for the club. Had it not been a club game, I probably would have given up sooner on it. Um, I don't didn't dislike my time with it. I just I think if you if you are a, someone who owns a Genesis, you're looking for this style of game on a Genesis. There's better options: Landstalker, Crusader Ascenti. And if you're somebody who has multiple consoles or access to an emulator, uh, RetroPie or what have you, then this style of game has been done much better. Um, in other places, this game would be very low on my recommendation list. Josh, what about yourself? It's it's okay. Um, if if you're looking for that action RPG experience and it's something that 
you need on the Genesis, and that was the only console you had, this game fits the bill. Um, it's definitely generic. It definitely doesn't do things as well as some of the heavy hitters on the Super Nintendo. It's a beautiful-looking game, but for the most part, it it just it doesn't really give you a reason to really engage in combat. There's no fun in exploring the world at all, and you just kind of run through it and get to the end and call it a day. So again, it's 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 there to fit the bill if you want that kind of experience on the Genesis, but I I wouldn't really recommend it if you had a Super Nintendo because there's much better games you could have played than this. As for myself, I actually really like this game. Um, I, there's things I think that could be changed. One, I would love to have a little bit more explanation of what I need to do on some areas. Uh, maybe that would make the game go way faster than it was you know intended to be because. If you look at the cover of this game, it's advertised as the largest adventure game ever for the Genesis. Uh, and I, I beat this game in under six hours. So um, uh, I would, like I said, I'd like to see a little bit more direction because the things that were slowing me down and making me frustrated is like, I just didn't know what to do until I looked up. I had to use a guide because I was, you know, pulling my hair out looking at something. Um, but I don't mind the weapon, I guess, durability because they were constantly dropping weapons for me. Um, but I would like... Uh, I guess I would like to see more um, from this. Uh, by that means, I, I would like to see more from the series. I would love to see the series go on more. It's disappointing that they hear that the Saturn game is uh, the sequel. Or actually, it's a prequel. Um, it was terrible because actually I really enjoyed it. Um, to me, this was a good blueprint and, you know, very much so you can go for You can build off of this, in my opinion. You can take this, you can make, you get better music uh, on a sequel or, you know, work on those difficulties because the, the the running around was a little clunky. Uh, but you can that's something that could be cleaned up in a sequel. Um, the combat to me was fine. I, I kind of like the direction. It just could use a little bit better story. Uh, for me, this was, like I said, a very good starting point game. Um, but I can't justify the price where it goes for a loose cart right now, which is anywhere between 40 to $50. Uh uh, to me, if this is like a $10 game, this is like a great $10 game. Um, but I, I don't know about it being a $40 game. Um, but uh, for suggestions, yeah, I would, I would suggest it to a few friends um, who are Genesis friends. Or, and they, uh, it's, I think it's a very playable game. It's just, it's just some areas, just, it's just a little rough around some corners. Um, so uh, with that being said, let's go to our three-word reviews. Oh, hey, that's and, me. Uh, uh, so you have those ready? <laughs> I do, yeah. Every month we uh, we play the game and we ask for a three-word review on Twitter to have yours read on the podcast. Just shoot out a hashtag, sorry, shoot out a tweet with the hashtag uh, CC3WR. And uh, it has to be three words. Some people try and cheese it and hyphenate words and stuff, but uh, we're pretty lenient. So um, We're going to start with the first one from Curtis at Girlfriend Versus. And he his three word review for Beyond Oasis is didn't play it. Um, well, Curtis, after listening to this podcast, maybe that'll change. Maybe it won't. Next up from Diego Avila at a Latino Lawyer, we have Sprite based bliss. So Diego as well, uh, I assume, really enjoyed the graphics. Next up, someone who disagrees with a few of us, and it's uh, Adam from Replayability, and his three word review is really fucking good. So, Adam, uh, big fan of this game. Uh, next up, from J.D. McFly, at The True and Honest, he says, not my Zoldo. Next, from Musty Hobbit, he says, he wrote two. Um, 
I'm not going to read them both, Musty, because that's not how it works, and you know better. So I'm going to pick the one that I like the most, and it's Needs Run Button. And I do agree 100%. I, does anybody else find that, like, is Double Tap Dash, is that is it just me is that that's frustrating for? Does that not bother anybody else? It seems like a really uh, beat-em-up mechanic. So I, I think it was yeah, just definitely. brought Okay. It was okay. I mean, it never really bothered me. I would have preferred a button, but it, it did. It, it it was fine. Right. I was fine with it. I was fine. All right. I guess it's just me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you and Musty. You and Musty. Yeah, me and Musty. That's right. Uh, next from uh, Rewind Mike, we have. All right. So this is an example of sort of four words. Let's see if I can mix it together. So it's a. We'll say as one word. Uh, beat him up. Or we could say beat him up is one word. Anyway, it's a beat him up is what everyone Mike says. And Tim from How Are You Okay says Streets of Oasis. <laughs> so he also finds it very beat him up y. The single banana from the RF Generation community says fucking conveyor belts. And then the last one from Twitter before we turn it over to our guests and find out what their through reviews are is from Steven Eider. And Steven had a hard time coming up with one, and the best he could do was might sell mine. So, it's uh, <laughs> a good one from Steven. So we're going to ask the guests what their three-word reviews are, and I'm going to start with Dean. Uh, Dean, what's your three-word review for Beyond Oasis? Needs a remake. I like that. Uh, let's go to Trav. Trav, what's your three-word review for Beyond Oasis? Big, beautiful bosses. Ooh, I like that. Accurate. And I do like big and beautiful things. Mm-hmm. And Josh, three-word review. Good enough Zelda. Ooh. And this coming, that's that's pretty big praise coming from a Zelda fan. Yeah, that's good enough. Good enough Zelda. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ryan, before you go, I'm going to actually give everybody, P2 did have one. He gave it to me. And he said his review was good for Genesis. Um, <laughs> so now Ryan I'll get your three word review mine is I want more I mean uh, I would like to see more from the series so if, Zelda could, or if Sega could bring it back or have someone like Platinum make it that'd be great yeah Platinum would be awesome so finally my three word review for Beyond Oasis is going to be not for everyone anyway that's Beyond Oasis folks so I want to thank our guests for being here Dean why don't you tell everybody where they can find you one last time Sure thing. Yeah, you can find me on social media at Round2Gaming. You can also find me administrating the Cartridge Club website at cartridgeclub.org, uh, as well as the Cartridge Club forums. And in your local gym, jamming out to Cave of Water from Beyond Oasis. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> uh, Trav, I want you to let everybody know where they can find you. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at TravPlaysGames. Uh, you can find me and my cohort, Jake, at Polykill on Twitter, and we're also on YouTube. Last for the panel, Josh, thank you for being here. I want to let everybody know yeah. where they can find you. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Um, you can find us at thegamingoutsider.com. Our podcast is pretty much anywhere you will find podcasts. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Faint Deftone. And, uh, yeah, that's about it. And, Ryan, I don't normally have to thank the, the co-host, Ryan, so that's why I wasn't thinking about that. So thank you for filling in for P2. You did an admirable job. Oh, thank you. So thank, thank you, you for much. being here. <laughs> why don't you let everybody know where they can find you? You can find me on Twitter. As it, it's Rocket Sauce. I'm also on the weekly CC Hangout, so you can see me there. If you want to hop in, everyone's free to t- uh, hop in, as long as you're a Cartridge Club member. 
Perfect. And I just want to say that next month, we are very excited to play Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3. This Ooh. game is on literally every system. There's, every. It's on Game Boy Color. It's on Game Boy Advance, PS2, GameCube, Xbox, PS1, Steam. It's... N64, how the fuck? How do you engage. put... Yeah, Game like... Advance. <laughs> I don't understand Fun how you fact, have... This is actually one of my top 10 favorite games of all time. Really? Well, we're going yeah, sure to... We're going to have next month, all month long, we're going to be doing a Beat My Score challenge on Twitter. Um, we played Burnout 3 a couple of years ago, and it took off big time. Anytime somebody did a, a crash stage or a race or whatever, they would post their score and then challenge everyone to beat them. We're going to do the same thing with Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3. So uh, if you see any tweets out there, Josh, jump in, and if you still got a copy of it, I sure do. I'm I will. sure we can find it. <laughs> Excellent. So, uh, yeah, very excited about Tony Hawk. I was never much of a, a skater boy um you know anytime i saw those guys i usually said see you later boy but uh i'm looking forward to trying out tony hawk <laughs> so uh Isn't she canadian show. she is canadian yeah yeah <laughs> i used to have a crush on her um For real yeah she was a girl and i was a boy and uh she i can't remember the next line boy. <laughs> <laughs> all, right. all right so uh Thanks for being here, guys. Thanks for listening, everyone. And see you next month. CC Unite.